unhappiness is is relative, right? And it can be kind of a runaway train. Um, that's what I found like a lot of my failures will stem back from. So one of the interesting ones that I that I had early on at Everyday Health was, you know, I won't use any like specific brands or names, right. but we were doing a, you know, a digital component to one of the custom centers we were working on. And it was this interactive, you know, kitchenscape where you could click on objects in the kitchen or in the fridge and understand how that thing would feed back to uh, your like health or your diet. Right. right. Um, so it was just one of those interactive maps I was supposed to marry together, you know, sponsor message with some useful information, you know, that you can apply on a daily basis and, and get people clicking around. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Well, I am so excited to be bringing you a young leader. His name is uh, Steve Wolf. He is the Director of Enterprise Sales for the Smart Advisor Lead Generation Platform at Smart Asset. Um, he went from graduating from Wilfrid Laurier in the spring of 2011. He moved to New York City uh, and he spent the uh, last nine years working for two uh, really neat companies. Um, and he's got um, amazing insights to share. He is, and his team help financial advisory firms grow their businesses by connecting them to new potential clients who are looking for advisors. Uh, Smart Asset is ranked as one of America's best startup employers, uh, seventh in New York City, 32nd across uh, the United States, and really, really insightful. Like he really um, has a a really wise, wise for somebody so young, really, really wise uh, insights that were unpacked in this podcast. Um, you can tell he's doing a lot of listening to other podcasts and, and other people and really, really keeping on top of his game for people interested in learning how do I want to deliver real value in my career, either as an entrepreneur or for someone like Steve who's chosen to stay with some really amazing companies and deliver value within um, amazing organizations. You know, how do I go and deliver that value? You're going to figure out somebody who's really figured it out over the next uh, period of time. Listen to this podcast. So, thanks so much for tuning in. You know, again, you understand my game. My game is I am looking for amazing young leaders to go and make a difference in their lives and help share and grow and develop them so that they can make a difference in this crazy world that we're living in with all the challenges that we're having. And if you know someone who's uh, looking to be a leader, look, really wanting to be a leader, please direct them to our podcast. Um, uh, if you have if somebody who wants to join us, they could go to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And if you have any feedback for me or ideas for the show, you are welcome to send me an email at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. Have yourself a super fantastic day. Thanks so much. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Chris. 
Fantastic. So, uh, Steve, thinking back, you know, pre-Laurier, you know, before we, you know, we, we met you in the student works management program, tell me what you were like before the program. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, if I had to sum it up in a word, I would probably say comfortable to be honest. Right. I, I grew okay. up in Waterloo. Um, I was a competitive kid, played a lot of basketball growing up. I had great uh, friends in that. town and, um, you know, when I was looking at different schools where I was going to go for university, um, I had a few choices, but I ended up also picking Laurier, uh, you know, so I was someone that grew up in Waterloo and, and I went to Laurier nearby. Um, so I, you know, I had this, you know, obsession and interest in business overall. Um, but it didn't really feel, you know, tangible yet. Right. Because I hadn't been able to start. I, you know, I thought here's a great place where I can go and cut my teeth. Um, it would be at, at Laurier down the road. So right. um, I think I was, I was excited and ready to sort of jump in. Um, but I hadn't really been challenged yet. Right. Um, and, and that's probably where, why I'd use the word comfortable. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So any areas that, you know, you'd sort of any big frustrations that that you had as a teenager? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think opportunity probably. Right. And, and this is something that, you know, I've, I've seen as I've continued to grow throughout my career, there's this chicken or egg argument, right. Between, um, you know, I'm young, hungry, I want to try and, you know, what experience do you have? And, and that's a requirement in order to get started. So I think I was impatient, you know, in that regard of, you know, I had, I knew what I wanted to do. You know, I, I'd been obsessed with marketing and advertising for a long time. Um, you know, when I sat in the computer lab in the eighth grade class and did the career cruising programs, you know, I was getting marketing specialists, you know, it wasn't like, you know, astronaut or, you know, different things. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to get into these things, but it just, I didn't have the avenue. Um, and I right. think one of the, one of the interesting things was I started in sales a little early. I, I worked at a golf shop and I'm, I'm still a huge golfer, but um, a store in town where I could actually golf clubs, right? So I was sitting behind a cash register, walking out on the floor, talking to people that are looking to buy irons and shirts and balls. Um, So that was sort of that early sales experience that I got to try out. But in that retail environment, again, it didn't feel um, like I was working towards something, which, you know, looking back is incorrect, right? Practice is practice. But um, yeah, Yeah. I I do think there was like a level of impatience and and how like I wanted to try something, but um, there wasn't that opportunity that someone was willing to give you right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and why I like to ask about frustrations is just because uh, again, a lot of our leaders go, yeah, I feel that way. Or before I felt that way. And, and so, so we're, you know, sort of just having them in and I get it because, you know, our program actually takes that frustration or takes that missing in the marketplace. There's um, some amazing, amazing people who will have tremendous rockstar careers who are under untapped, you know, they can do way more and uh, there's no opportunities yeah. for them to do way more. And so obviously our program is about, is about giving them those opportunities so that they, they can go, they can go do way more, way faster. Yeah. So what do you still rely on from our program, Steve? Yeah, there, there's a lot, there's a lot that I rely on the program still, you know, I think if I had to boil it down to three things, it, it would probably be, process, uh, the preparation. And, you know, also I just think keeping a, a steady or stable emotional outlook and, and level headedness, um, you know, towards your situation on a day-to-day basis. So, um, you know, to start with process, you know, I, I really think sales, the more I've learned and in, in progressing my career, I've learned that, um, sales isn't necessarily highly scripted, but it's highly structured. 
Um, so that that structure as you're going into an estimate, you know, working within the program itself, uh, some people are a lot further along, right? And and the more discussions or conversations you have with clients, the more you understand, um, you know, you don't have to start at square one and go through your entire script. You have to ad- adapt to, um, you know, the the process or or piece of the decision making process where this person is at. So do they need to learn about you and what you do? Um, are they bought into you know why you exist and and your value that you offer? Um, do you have to build some trust, uh, some trust, some credibility, um, or are these are they really just price shopping, right? And and they believe in all those things and they're ready to jump in. So making sure that you're going through and and qualifying and figuring out where someone is in their decision making process, um, I think is how you can have a more effective uh, conversation. So that's something that is hugely important to growing a student works business, right? Is sticking to the process, making your your cold calls, right? Making sure you're canvassing. Um, you know, doing your estimates and and figuring out your close rates, right? And that has not changed, you know, as I've continued through. And, you know, preparation, right? I, I think it is a performance, right? There's there's a huge mindset attached to that of, you know, I'm going to come in uh, and this is what I want to get out of that conversation. So writing down good questions, thinking about where you want to go with this meeting and having, a you know, a purpose in mind um, is something that has carried with me throughout, you know, and then finally, <laughs> sale, you know, sales, I think you're, you're professionally um, told the word no. So uh, I think having that level-headedness of, of saying, um, did I do the right things? Did I put myself in a situation to succeed? Or did I get lucky, right? Did I not do the right things that time? So um, that's something that's that stuck with me. And I think, you know, early on as you're canvassing or going on estimates, you start to understand that, you know, it's not you. Sometimes someone is not ready. Um, but was that the right house or was that a good conversation? What can I do to improve? So that's something that I learned early on. Wow. Wow. Steve, I just, um, it does not surprise me that you've had eight promotions in eight years um, to the answer to that question. Like, wow. Like I just, I just love how clear you are, how, how you really see all the steps in the sales processes. You can tell. Um, just how how clear you are and how clearly you communicated that, um, you know, for our leaders, review that, go back and listen to that again. That was really, really amazing. I just, I just love that clarity. And, you know, again, understanding sales that well, understanding the pieces so well of, you know, again, how, where we are in the sales process, how we sell effectively, you know, et, et cetera, and understanding all those. And, and then again, it makes us, and then I love as well, just in the end, we can't sell every job. It's how do we show up on the court? And and I know Steve and I are both huge basketball fans. So it's like, again, it's like, you know, you can't win every game, you know, uh, but did I do everything I could have? And if, and if I don't, then what do, what do I need to do to get better? Right. And that's the same, same process in sales, right? It's a competitive game. Mm-hmm. So um, Steve, yep. You graduate from Laurier and you get recruited down to the U.S. So, you know, that's a really huge opportunity. Like, you know, what about, you know, had you had you choose to go down to the U.S.? Obviously, you're still down there. So that ended up being a good choice. But, uh, you know, why don't you tell us about that first uh, big opportunity that you, you got going down to the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's important that I acknowledge, you know, a healthy amount of uh, luck, you know, attached to this as well, because how I... I ended up in the U.S. at a company called Everyday Health was uh, one of the co-founders of that company uh, did the double degree program at Laurier and Waterloo. 
And one of the cool hiring practices that uh, the, the C-level or sort of upper management at Everyday Health had at the time was um, they would recruit from the alma maters of those senior leaders. Um, so there was this pipeline of talent of Laurier and Waterloo grads that were moving down to U.S. as a part of um, joining these entry-level positions at Everyday Health. So I, I was walking through the hallways after, uh, you know, a lecture one afternoon, saw someone that I recognized. And, you know, I said, like, I, you know, I thought you were working in New York. And she's like, I am actually, I'm here, I'm back, I'm recruiting. You should come to this information session and see if you, you know, like the company and, and what we're doing. Um, so I went to an info session, uh, one or two, you know, as they were on campus that week maybe went to an event. Then we did, uh, you know, an in-person interview where managers from the company came to the campus again. Uh, and then they flew a group of us to New York City to interview on site there. So, you know, it was a process. I'd be lying if I said, you know, I woke up one morning and said, like, I have a goal to work in New York City. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, that it's, so that's why I say there is a bit of luck there. But when I, when I started at Everyday Health, they had an awesome opportunity to move into um, a project management team. So. To, to give you a little context to the business overall, they're a health and wellness publisher. Um, they write articles about, you know, varying health conditions, right? Living well with diabetes, or uh, here's some recipes with high cholesterol that you should consider. What's unique about the U.S. environment is it's one of the only two countries in the world where you can um, advertise directly to consumers as a pharmaceutical company. So they make all of their money, or primarily the primary source of their revenue, off selling ads uh, across that content that they've written. Um, so the team that I uh, worked on, we would create these large custom microsites. So if you were a diabetic and you were looking for recipes and articles and videos, we would aggregate all these things into a website and then give an advertiser 100% share of voice of those, of those pages, right? You know, it's their center to sponsor. Right. Um, and that, you know, project management team, we basically came in once the program was sold we brought it to life, right? So did we need to write new articles? Did we need to shoot videos? Um, how many client calls did we need to have to make sure everyone was aligned? Did legal approve this stuff? There's a lot of those moving pieces. Um, so I had this really unique experience of uh, learning a new field, which was you know digital media and digital advertising, but then also applying um, this really regimented process attached to it as well, right? Like what being obsessed with that progress, what's the next thing we have to do in order to get this thing across the finish line. And then eventually, you know, at Everyday Health, I started to realize that these things were fun to work on, but I wanted to try my hand at selling them. Um, and that's when I was, uh, you know, transitioned over to the sales side of that organization. And I was able to marry, you know, that background, uh, you know, project management skill set with being able to talk to the client about their hopes and dreams, you know, and what, and what these um, microsites were going to look like. So that, that was, you know, where I started and I spent about four years there. And from that point forward, I, I just got really fascinated with the sales side of things and I wanted to continue on that path. So where I am today is, you know, now in financial services, but I'm still, you know, in, incredibly focused on the sales side of that thing and less so on uh, the internal side. Right, right. And again, for our leaders, it's really great to understand that maybe, you know, again, unlikely the first step is going to be really in your sweet spot. Right. So it's like, but I can, yeah. I can tell as well that, that really Steve, like when you were doing stuff that maybe wasn't exactly in your sweet spot, right? Like I know sales is really your sweet spot and something that really gets you excited, motivated and create great value in the world. You were still really excited about that. I could hear it in your voice, right? About, oh, hey, here's what we're doing and here's how we can do. Again, 
to have our client win. And really, you, you know, I can, I can feel the, the real customer-centric focus that you have in your business. Right. Well, and it's a great point because I think that's something that you can take with you regardless of, of what you do, right? If, if you just strip out you know, the, the specifics of what you're doing and, and you're focused on really getting to the needs of what your, your client or your customer is trying to do, and then figuring out what you have, you know, how it gets that done and how you can accomplish that, um, that becomes the feeling of reward, right? You know, that's what we're trying to achieve. It's, it's yeah. not that you know, I'm selling a table or a paint job or ads on a page. You know, it's that uh, I'm helping my contact, my client, my customer, uh, you know, solve their problem. Yeah, it, it really is great because I know um, there's a big uh, movement, which is a really powerful movement, by the way. Uh, so I'm 100% aligned with this where, you know, go find out what you're passionate for. Go, go, you know, do what you're passionate, you know, about. And certainly I live my life that way. Um, yeah. However, a lot of times people think, you know, well, you know what I'm really passionate about? The Raptors. <laughs> but Right, right. But, you know it's, 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 again, it's not likely going to be that, right. You know, or, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, uh, or someone's really loves music and, oh, wow, I really, you know, that's what I am. Now, some people may choose to do that, but right. it's, you know, what are you passionate about? Helping people, making a difference in people's lives. Right. And, and, you know, again, you can see in everyday health, um, you know, that, wow, there, there's a great feeling, you know, wake up every morning and help people be healthier. Like, wow, mm-hmm. I, I could make my life about that, right? So it's kind of like really getting to the core purpose of what someone's doing or what business is doing and not, not just sort of thinking, seeing passion as a broader thing. I'm really helping people. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think I got career advice a long time ago and I think it's you know applicable here and it's helped me is um, you may not know what you want to do right away. Um, and there's a, you know, a fortunate few that get to do what they love absolutely every day. But, um, what's really important is that you start doing something and then you figure out what you're good at, right? Because, um, you know, me, you may think you want to go into accounting and, and you see this at the university level, right? Where kids are forced to specialize, you know, even in high school, you're forced to specialize early and earlier now. Yeah. Um, you may think you want to be a consultant or an accountant, uh, but you don't know until you go on that co-op term where you have that first job. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people then don't like it. It becomes this crisis of conscience, right? Of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't understand. But again, if, if you strip that down and you say, what am I learning? What are the skills you know, that I'm learning? Because when you walk into an interview moving forward, um, you're going to sell yourself. You're going to sell your skill set, right? Your your employer is like renting your services. Yes, <laughs> right? exactly. Um, you yeah. know, as, as you are working with them. So those transferable skills become your brand and your toolkit moving forward. Um, so you have to start, you have to do something. And for me, again, to tie back to student works, um, I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur. I didn't, didn't think I would be one, you know, I'm currently not, I work at a startup, but you know, I, I guess I haven't necessarily had that bug, um, you know, or that itch to scratch, but unless I started as, you know, a leader, a manager, you know, a seller, like out in the field, I wouldn't have figured out what, pieces of that job I really enjoyed and what I wanted to continue doing moving forward. Hey leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, 
will be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. And, you know, the other thing, Steve, is I can tell you think like an entrepreneur. And just because, you know, again, you're, you're, you know, one of the one thing, you know, leaders listen, what Steve said is, hey, you know, an employer is renting my services. Okay. And then, hey, I made choice to rent them someplace else. Right. So Steve's very, very aware that, you know, and again, this isn't saying he's not loving where he is. Of course, you know, right now he is, and he's always aware he needs to develop himself. He's a hundred percent accountable for his future and you're always mm-hmm. looking to make sure that is this the best spot for him? Uh, and again, not saying he's not also looking to make sure that his organization's well served, etc. This isn't a selfish space, but it's just a you know looking like you should be responsible, be accountable, not falling asleep in your job. Right? Is that mm-hmm. is that is that an accurate reflection, Steve? One hundred percent. And and you know I'm absolutely thrilled where I'm at today, but it's you're not working for IBM for 62 years and retiring with a gold watch anymore. Right. So, you know, we have to go into, you know, our lives with that understanding. It's a reality, right? So if this relationship is conditional, right, I'm giving everything I have to my employer and in return, you know, they're giving me an an arena to better myself, develop my skill set, and give me true autonomy to, to have that purpose. Right. So I think that's just the best employee employer relationship period is when, both sides understand there's a conditional arrangement and we're both working as hard as we possibly can for each other. Um, because if, if one side's unhappy, <laughs> you know, the relationship's going to change, right? Either absolutely. the employee leaves or, or the employer makes a decision. So absolutely that's, yeah, that's, I think an important way to, to look at anything is just be realistic going into it. Yeah, no. And then again, hundred percent accountability. So tell us about smart asset, because I know they are crushing it and doing it amazing. And, and again, one of the things, by the way, for our leaders, it's really important who you're with. Okay. Because you may be a rock star, but if you are selling, I don't know, really not a good product, not a good service, it's going to be tough for that to show. It's going to be tough to develop results in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah, great question. I think I have to start with why, you know, why we come into work every day before I start with what we do. But, Perfect. Um, you know, at a, at a high level, we try and help our users answer the most important financial questions. So put into practice, we've built the web's best platform for personal finance advice, uh, tools and calculators that we have, like how much house can I afford? Should I rent or should I buy? How much life insurance do I need? Right. We're going to try and take that rig, that big, really complicated decision and simplify it and give you a clear, transparent answer to that question online. Um, and we also have an editorial team in-house and, and they're writing 20 to 30 new articles each week about um, a broad variety of personal finance topics. So that is you know, one side of our business, right? We're gonna give all this great advice online and we've been doing that for eight years. Uh, and over the last two years, we, we started to realize that people have more questions and they've reached out to us and they've They've sort of said, hey, this I love this as a, as a baseline, um, but do you have someone I can talk to about my specific situation? So this was kind of a crossroads for us in our business. And we decided um, instead of opening up you know, an advisory arm or firm, <laughs> right? Like right. under our umbrella, 
it would be great if we could just build a bridge and, and connect people to local experts, to financial advisors in their area. Um, so about two years ago, we spun off a, a side of our site. We call it the Smart Advisor Platform. And that's the, the piece of the business that I work on today. Um, but consumers take a long-form survey based on the answers to their questions. We're going to match them to an advisor in their zip code. Um, that's right for them. And then on the other side of that, the financial advisors are coming to us and uh, purchasing introductions to those consumers, right? It's a cost per lead model, uh, cost per introduction, and they're able to grow their business because financial advisors, you know, they uh, they have referral channels and they're going to host dinners, right? And they're going to go to the local Rotary Club. They're going to buy ads in a magazine or newspaper. But outside of that, they're not um, fully caught up on what they can do online, you know, to acquire customers and, and promote their brand. So we are their digital referral channel. and um, we can tie all that back to that mission of helping people find answers to their financial questions, period. That's exciting. That's and 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 again, you get as well, like like there's there's a a business that really does important work, right? Someone's financial future, mm-hmm. really, really important, you know, and 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 so so you know, getting up in the morning and being able to deliver um really great services to that. And then also in this next role, delivering really great leads for somebody trying to develop their business to secure their financial future. Again, um, a really, really great, you know, way to spend your life, you know, on the work side of things. So, um, so you're, it's what, you know, what skill sets are you relying in your role as enterprise sales director right now? What's, what's, what's making the real difference, you know, in, in, in the, in the progress smart asset is, is making in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. You know, I, so I think the, the first thing that you have to lead with, I think at the enterprise level is the strategy, right. And, and this is one of the most fun pieces of my job is, is coming up with an angle in the first place, right. Mm -hmm. Of, Of sort of looking at a potential client or a financial service provider and saying, why does this person even need to work with me? So then I get to do what I love, right. Is crawl the web, watch their ads, you know, look at their site, find out what types of messages they try to communicate on a daily basis and then figure out um, how my mission matches up with that. At that point, you know, you're figuring out decision makers, right? And, you know, who on the other side or who at that company um, is in a position to hear this idea, sit down, take a meeting or have a phone call and, and hear about what we do. Um, and then ultimately understand that case, right? Build, you know, over a period of time, um, the, the argument why they need to work with us. Um, because it's unrealistic to think that we're going to do all of your marketing, right? There's a right. lot of things that companies can do today, TV commercials and digital ads and you name it, right? Um, how do we supplement? How do we fit into that? And um, if we can build that case and say we are complementary and we can help you build, uh, grow your business strategically, it's not just about what we can do right away, but here's this long-term vision. Here, 12 months from now, here's where this can go. Just so you know that you know we're not getting into this relationship. Um, for a small, you know, one month and, and that's it um, goal here, right? So it's strategy, you know, it's finding the decision maker, uh, it's communicating your message and your value proposition, and then painting that picture of the long-term vision, you know, of, of where this can go at, at a partnership level. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's really, that's really great. And, and I, you know, again, really well described for for our young leaders sort of just getting a sense of just, again, how, how does sales happen? It's way more than, again, just, I know, banging into people, you know, it's, it's really, really thoughtful, 
you know, uh, approach, especially at a more senior level. And again, a more complex sale, because obviously this is a, a month's long, you know, process and, and, and testing, et cetera, before you're getting uh, large organizations to be working with you, you know, in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to summarize it. So um, Steve, like uh, one of the things is, is obviously we, we, we talk about, you know, uh, I know progress on this, on this site, but one of the things we really love to talk about is failures or mistakes or setbacks, you know, and, and just as a way of learning from them and how you see those, et cetera. So how do you, how do you see that whole space in, in your career and, and in what you do? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I have two, I have two specific examples and I think one is work-related and one's actually related to the program. So, um, both of these, I think you can summarize into, you know, a brief headline of expectation setting. And when, uh, there's a difference or, uh, really unhappiness, I think unhappiness comes from the gap or the, the spread between expectations and reality, right? So when you talk about, um, setting expectations for a client, what, what are you going to be able to deliver? Right. And minimize that spread because the smaller that spread unhappiness is, is relative. Right. And it can be kind of a runaway train. Um, that's what I found like a lot of my failures will stem back from. So one of the interesting ones that I, that I had early on at everyday health was, you know, I won't use any like specific brands or names, but we were doing a, you know, a digital component to one of the custom centers we were working on. And it was this interactive, you know, kitchenscape where you could click on objects in the kitchen or in the fridge and understand how that thing would feed back to uh, your like health or your diet. Right. Right. Um, So it was just one of those interactive maps I was supposed to marry together, you know, sponsor message with some useful information, you know, that you can apply on a daily basis and, and get people clicking around. Um, And I, one of the interesting pieces was, you know, you're managing this project. I'm new into the job. And, you know, when things start to go a little bit sideways, uh, early on, I learned about myself, my <laughs> response is to sort of buckle down and, and work harder, right? which is good and bad, bad in the sense that if you're digging a hole, it, it tends to just get deeper. Um, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you got to take a step backwards and ask for help sometimes, which is, you know, a really important thing, you know, to, to figure out. Um, but we, we designed this project and we got it through and how it came out was not at the level of the sort of like the aesthetically pleasing or the visual level that the client wanted it to be. Okay. Um, and that's because, you know, I have no design acumen and I'm not a designer, but I was the one setting the expectations for uh-huh. um, the people that were working on it, right. Of how it should look that, you know, my vision was mismatched to client expectations. Perfect. We, we sent that to them. Right. And, you know, not pleased. Right. Right. <laughs> they were like, this has to be redone. Um, so I, you know, I think early on that situation, I mean, that's a huge cost to the company. That's a stall of the project. You know, I have to come sort of with my tail between the legs to my manager and say like, Hey, we're delayed and this is why, um, you know, and this is on me. So, you, you know, those situations, if I would have asked for help early on, someone probably could have steered me in the right direction of saying, uh, oh, that, uh, that doesn't look right. Or they're not going to be happy with that. Um, and you know, the, if you go back to the program, you know, I do think it's, exactly the same thing of um if you're walking around an estimate and you're talking about areas on on a home that need to be done and you're going to throw in you're like oh yeah no problem like we can do caulking on the windows too you know thinking you're going to be a good partner and then you get to it and you know those are vinyl windows and you know 
Yeah, you no, can't do calm. that, yes. you know, right? Yeah. And yeah. so now someone's saying, well, I thought you were going to do this and you have to explain why well, I actually can't do it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so again, you know, that is like the the difference between expectations and reality. If they were aligned, I, I would never would have said anything about the window. We would have moved on and we would have been focusing on the paint job. So that's like a broad lesson I think I've learned with, you know, failures throughout my career. Um, you know, ask for help and and really set expectations properly because um, those are where the big roadblocks are going to come. Awesome. Yeah. And I love one of the, our commandments in our business is expectations management. And so that's just so important in every role, you know, when, when we're recruiting someone onto our team, when our operators are recruiting someone, again, in dialogue with clients, again, aligning those expectations. And, and again, just what do we get? We get unhappiness if we're not meeting those expectations. So, so I think that's just such a great, great lesson for, for all of our young leaders to get. Mm-hmm. So Steve, how do you keep learning? How do you keep moving forward with your learning? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think constant, be constantly curious, right? Curiosity is just the ultimate engine. Um, because there's, there's just an awesome quote. Um, guy's name is Derek Sivers, I believe. And he says, if information was the answer, we'd all be millionaires with perfect abs, uh, <laughs> implying, you know, the information is out there, but what is scarce is the desire to learn that. Right. right. So, um, everything you need is on the internet today. It exists. Um, but what are you doing to, to access it? Right. That comes down to your own individual motivation. So mm-hmm. I think curiosity is hugely important. The, the medium in which you learn, it's going to be different for everyone. I, I love podcasts. You know, it's a thrill to be honest today. It's, right. it's a great medium for me to learn. You know, maybe you sit down at your computer and you put your headphones on and, and dive in for two hours. Right. So, right. you know, know how you learn. Um, but, but always continue, just be curious because that is, um, you can never know everything and you can always get better. Yeah. And, and also as well, like one, one great thing to, to sort of always recognize as well is it, it doesn't have to be about something you specifically are then going to use to make money in your business. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I know uh, one of the things my, and I don't think I've said this on the pod before, if I have, I apologize, but um, my father is very successful lawyer. And he used to say, uh, cause I, I'd ask him things. He was, had so many amazing viewpoints on things that I never really, I went, wow, that's so neat. Like that thought process or just seeing it that way. And, um, and just a really mm-hmm. great philosophy of life or a philosophy on things or a viewpoint. And I remember asking him, you know, what's, what's that about? And he goes, well, a lot of people, you know, know I'm a good lawyer, but they don't understand it. And, and I can't explain it in terms of the law because they don't know the law. But if they ask me about, you know, financial, political, even a sports related issue, I may have, I try to get a different viewpoint so people can go, oh, wow, that's really neat. He's really smart. I'll go pay him a lot of money to go do something for me. Right. So it, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. The more interested you are, again, people see you differently and it really is a way to build your brand, you know? Right. Right. Well, and curious people ask questions, right? And when, when you go to the core of, you know, discovery or back to like the sales process itself, right? Um, it's not about how great your presentation is a lot of the time, right? Like, can you communicate your value succinctly, quickly? That's incredibly important. But I have not seen, you know, in my last eight years of life, you know, 
one presentation done, the person flips on the lights and says, I'm buying right now on the spot, no further questions. Right. And it's just not realistic to think that like, you're going to walk in the room, give this knockdown presentation and it's all going to click. Right. So by being curious, by asking questions, you uncover what actually matters to someone. And if you are well-read and you know, interested in a lot of other broad topics, you start to tie these things back to your conversations more seamlessly. And uh, you you just sound like a more thoughtful person by being genuinely interested in what someone has to say. Yeah, I think that's so great. And, you know, and, and, and it's just great being curious. Like, I think just building your curiosity, obviously it can, you know, help make you a lot of money in sales. There's no question. And as a leader, a leader needs to be curious, Need, needs to be curious about their people. What's really going on? How are you feeling? You know, because again, it's not, it's just also not just asking the questions. It's actually being in the space to really listen, right? Really, really listen, really, really care, right? And it's, and it's yeah. funny because every one of these podcasts is different because I have, I do have a, a, a sense of questions that we ask, we ask, but it's, you know, kind of like, oh, that's neat, Steve. What are you doing there? You know, like, it, so it's always about the follow-up question or or what, what they happen to say, right? That makes it interesting, right? So. Right, right. Um, so, you know, as you went from a university student to a full-time value creator in the real world, um, what did you have to change about yourself? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think you have to understand that you cannot control what other people do. And you can also, the, the only thing you can control is your expectations, right? You can't control what other people do. So if you've given someone a project or a next step, you've left, they've went away to work on that and it comes back. How I would react to that when I was younger is different than how I'd react to it today. Okay. Um, well, I would have done that differently or I would have done this. Ah. But that's that's not to say that that's correct. You know, again, that that's an expectation thing, right? Of of me assuming something's going to come back exactly in the way you envisioned it. Um, and I think this goes to to working in a team, right? Is you can't expect people to do everything you're going to do, right? Or oh, I would have hit that shot, or I would have made that pass. It's not a healthy attitude. Um, so I think what you have to do is have those very clear you know, expectations or understanding of what success looks like. And that has to be across the board, right? On a project you're working on as a team, as an organization, there are standards that, you know, everyone has to be up to, but you can only control how you react to stimulus. You can't control, you know, the, the outside world or, or that individual person. So I think that's one thing I had to change about myself was um, that level of control that I thought I had. It's not realistic. Yeah. Um, one thing I've certainly determined in my life is the more and more I understand the world, the less and less I have any sense of control. That's and that yeah. shouldn't be something I'm looking for, you know, like right. in, in, you know, in the sense of you know, controlling, you know, other people or the things of the world or whatever, you know, and all the crazy times that we live in that you know point to that, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's you know, the biggest focus for me is always on my integrity. Am I doing yeah. everything I can do? the way it should be done, you know, doing it on time, you know, just like, just in any, you know, any way I'm always looking at my integrity, my hundred percent accountability. Um, yeah. And then not, again, not making it like making myself wrong if I'm not there, but just, just, okay, what can I do? And then in those circumstances, who knows, maybe there was some better coaching for me to do or, you know, discovery or, you know, 
you know, and, and again, if we see it as a learning process, then it's, it's all good. But yeah, controls are really bad thing. Um, I should say bad, but controls an opportunity for <laughs> seeing it differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And structure, like structure is so important so structure. that, yeah. you know, you get something back that you anticipate, right? Give, if you don't give a framework for what you're looking for, you definitely can't expect to get back what you want. Right. But, um, also, you know, did, did I do the right things? And I think you, you know, you just brought that up. If I asked the right questions, um, if I did communicate my message clearly, succinctly, and I didn't win the deal, that's okay. You're not going to win them all. But, you know, if I skip steps, if I took shortcuts, if I was delayed or late or I rescheduled and I missed things and things didn't go my way, well, yeah, no, that's something I can control. That's yeah. But, you know, economic crises are going to change, you know, how your business works. Yeah. You can't control the economic environment, right? You just can control how you react to it. So yeah. that's that's what you can control is your effort and, and your response. Absolutely. So if someone wanted to do what you did and had the success that you've had and clearly, you know, going to continue to have, what, what key habits would they have to steal from you? Um, key habits. So I would say two skill sets, and then maybe a uh, habit. I think this first one uh, is a, a to steal from Shane Parrish on the Farnham Street podcast. Uh, he says storytelling and spreadsheets. Yeah, those, those are the two things that, uh, you know, you need to have as an entrepreneur, if you're raising money, uh, you know, as a uh, analyst, you know, at an investment bank, people spend so much time internally selling uh, more than they realize, you know, it's a, it's an incredibly valuable skill set that you need to have and develop. So um, if you wanted to steal, you know, what I'm doing is you have to go out there and, you know, tell your story, focus on the why, less about what it is, you know, don't feature dump and know your numbers, right. And just know your data. So it's, you, you can't just have your heads in the cloud all the time. You have to tie it back to ROI. You have to tie it back to success. So I think those are the two main things and, you know, the habits that are adjacent to that. Um, a lot of it's hard work. A lot of it is curiosity, you know, and reading about different and unique things. Um, but again, the information's out there, right? So I've been come up with a lot of my approaches individually. You know, I found uh, what the most successful people do in their respective fields. And I've tried to take away a lot of that and, and see how it applies to my life. So, you know, be curious, ask questions. You know, questions are sort of your pickaxe to get at those nuggets of gold or those insights that, um, you know, people are hiding that they don't want to tell you right away. and um, have a clear, convincing story because, you know, humans love a story. And I, I think, um, you know, that's something you do really well, setting the vision for, for student works overall. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no. And I love, I love that. Like, and I, and I love as well that you're out trying to figure out one of the things that, you know, just to, for our leader storytelling. And then again, we got to have an ROI. That's why people do it. And again, in our painting business, hey, people save 10 times more painting it rather than having it rot you know, protecting, mm -hmm. the, you know, typically the biggest asset people, people own, or certainly one of the biggest assets is their home. Um, so, so that's the ROI in our business, uh, for our customers that we teach people about. Uh, and I love as well that you're, you know, again, you don't have to figure it out all yourself. You know, I, I love R and D is rip off and duplicate, you know, so, yeah. so let's just, let's just, you know, hear what people are saying. Okay, great. How can I take that nugget? What can I do? And what can I, you know, how can I add that, you know, to, to what we're doing? Right. And you don't have to figure it out all yourself. 
Like that's one of the mm-hmm. most important things in, in life. And, and then also as well, you know, there's those people who you can help, you know, and those relationships, those mentor relationships, those, you know, the peers you have, et cetera, that can assist as well. Yeah. One, I think one of the most interesting thing about sales too, is that there's no right way to do it, right? Yeah. If you were to take all of the top performers from the company last year and walk through an estimate with them, they all have the same script. You know, they've been given the same playbook, but how they get through it and how they talk to it is going to be different across the board. Um, but they're all top performers, right? Like they all get to the same goal in different ways. Um, so watch what they do and, and figure out what your voice is, right? There's no right way uh, to do this, but there's certainly, you know, the right habits that you have to have in, in order to get there. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and again, if we look at sport, we can see the same thing. You know, you, you think about the best athletes in any sport that you like to go, oh yeah, they're, they're you know, in swimming, their stroke's different or in basketball, look, somebody's better at this, somebody's better at that. Somebody does it this way, somebody does it that way. There's no specific way that this is how it is. And mm-hmm. we should be looking and monitoring and, 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 you know, again, trying to figure out, oh, wow, okay, they're, they're doing this. So, uh, so that's awesome. And so final question, Steve, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes mm-hmm. to mind? I, you know, I think my my mind starts to drift towards all of the benefits that technology is going to, you know, give us, right? There's going to be a lot of jobs that will be automated out. There's going to be a lot of things that go quicker on a daily basis. So when I think about uh, a leader of tomorrow, I think about a storyteller in the age of machines, right? It's It's not about how quick you can do something it becomes, you know, what is the value of what you bring to the table? So, you know, do you have a vision? Do you have an idea? Do you stand for something? Do you know where you're going to go? Can you communicate that to other people effectively? Um, because a computer is going to be able to do it quicker than you. So yes. don't focus on that, right? Yeah. And it's going to be more accurate. So don't focus on that, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think of uh, a storyteller with a vision that, um, you know, in an age of machines. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. I love that. I love that. So, uh, well, Steve, I've really loved our conversation, uh, today again, just, just so, so great. Um, you know, how old are you, Steve? Uh, 32. Well, turning 32. So Tur- yeah, turning 32. Well, well, that's, that's amazing. Uh, you're, you're, you're a wise man for a 32 year old. You've learned a whole lot. So, <laughs> so well you. done. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, thank you for having me. You betcha. Okay. Have a, have a fantastic day. Thanks so much. Take care. Hey leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.